You're listening to Detroit Today. I'm Jake Neer. I'm sitting in for Stephen Henderson, who's on break this week. As we heard this morning on NPR, President Donald Trump kicked off the new year with a controversial tweet. Surprise. This time, it's throwing into question the United States alliance with Pakistan. It's perhaps a signal that 2018 is the new year, same as the old year. Will we be spending each morning waiting for the presidential Twitter feed to dictate the day's news or to tell us where we're headed in foreign and domestic policy? In reflecting on the year behind us, what can we learn about where we're headed in year two of President Trump's term? And we'll be spending the rest of the show talking again about the national year ahead in politics. And joining us right now is Tamara Keith, NPR White House correspondent. Tamara, thank you so much for joining us today. Glad to be with you. And, and joining us from the White House, which is exciting, of course. Uh, really appreciate it. If the, if the president from happens... From a booth in the basement. Oh, yeah. Mind it, you. <laughs> if the president happens to be meandering by, you know, put him on for us. We'd appreciate that. No. Sure thing. <laughs> now, uh, you know, let, let's talk a little bit about this tweet this morning and sort of what it signals ahead. I think this sort of plays interestingly into this New York Times interview also that he did recently and the significance of it. Uh, my sort of thinking here is... Look, I mean, this sort of uh, this this isn't totally unexpected. Obviously, he's exhibited this behavior uh, quite a bit in the past. It's nothing new, but it's sort of him saying, right, that look, if you thought that this first year has changed me, nope, think again, right? Yeah, well, and and you could be talking about any of like five tweets. There's been sure quite a flurry this morning. Um, yeah, I, President Trump uh, has always been, at least on Twitter sort of consistently uh, inconsistent, mm-hmm. um, consistently disruptive and um, and and, you know, says things like, you know, uh, describes the Justice Department as the deep state Justice Department, <laughs> uh, talks about in the, one of these tweets this morning, North Korea and maybe the sanctions are working in the same tweet calls the North Korean leader again, Rocket Man, and says, maybe it's good, perhaps not. We will see, exclamation point. What we will see is like one of his favorite phrases. It mostly means nothing, but uh, it makes things... uh, it creates suspense. Oh, sure, 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 right. And absolutely. We, we talked with uh, uh, with Tim Alberto with Politico magazine at the end of the year, too, who said um, if, if he thinks that there is any sort of grand scheme uh, that Trump has or any sort of grand strategy that that chaos is sort of at the is central to it. I think that is an interesting statement. And it seems to me like, uh, again, this sort of um, the, the, the tweets this morning, the New York Times interview, these are sort of more signs that that isn't changing anytime soon. No, no. I, I mean, uh, yeah, I was talking to a conservative writer who was saying, you know, uh, there were a lot of conservatives coming into the Trump presidency who were worried that he mm-hmm. wouldn't be a consistent conservative on on a policy level. Um, and they were also worried about character issues. Mm-hmm. Well, on the policy front, President Trump has been pretty much a mainline conservative. He's given them the kinds of judges that they would want. He has done this tax bill. He has enacted policies that are sort of mainline conservative policies. Some of his ideas that are out of line with that, um, like tearing up NAFTA, for instance. He hasn't torn up NAFTA yet, mm-hmm. um, right. though he they are renegotiating it. But on the character side of things, uh, the, this conservative writer I was talking to was saying, you know, 
he has been exactly who he has been all of his life. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> the Donald Trump that was on reality TV, the Donald Trump that ran for president is the same person who is president of the United States, which is to say there's a lot of chaos and <laughs> there's, you know, a, a lot of like trolling of everyone on Twitter. Sure, sure. And and, and I think what's really interesting about that, this sort of the, this discrepancy between who we see the president as as sort of a, a public figure in his rhetoric and his uh, his public persona and sort of what we're seeing in terms of where policy is moving during his presidency that's very interesting to me it also and I thought that you your the piece that you did was really excellent on that my question now is where do Trump and congressional Republicans go from here look Trump Trump has relied heavily on executive actions to achieve his goals so far. He did get this big win with the tax overhaul at the end of last year, along with uh, congressional Republicans. But can he and the GOP capitalize on that and to achieve more legislative accomplishments next year? Do you think that this, this gives them sort of an opening to do so? 2018 is in all likelihood more difficult than 2017 hmm. um, for a couple of big reasons. One, it's an election year. Um And so purely feeding the base in a year when Democrats are highly motivated and uh, Republicans are, at least based on the polling, somewhat less so, just targeting the, the, the Republican base is probably not going to work for certain Republican senators and congressmen and women in in swing states and swing districts um, or, or people who want to run in those states. Um, and so on from the Senate side of things, Mitch McConnell, the uh, Senate majority leader, has already said he wants to do things in a mi- more bipartisan way. Mm-hmm. The tax bill passed with a process called reconciliation, which sort of skips the the filibuster rules and and requires only a bare majority, a 51 vote majority to pass something. Well, now Republicans are down one. They, they have basically only one vote to lose sure. uh, now that the Alabama um, Senate seat has gone to Democrat Doug Jones. Mm-hmm. So they have a narrower margin. And Mitch McConnell has basically said, I'm not doing stuff that way this year, um, largely because the math is not in his favor. Right. Um, so there's this interesting thing that's happening where the president has said he wants to do welfare reform. Not 100 percent clear what that means. Right. Paul Ryan in the House has said that he wants to do entitlement reform, maybe mm-hmm. take on Medicaid, for instance. And Mitch McConnell has said, eh, I don't know about all that. Um, <laughs> right. So they're actually, we are told, going to have a retreat possibly this weekend at Camp David where they will sort of get on the same page because right now the House, Senate and White House are not on the same page. And and this is I mean, Republicans have to be concerned that this is their last year in this first four years of the Trump presidency. If, if the, you know, if it goes anywhere beyond that, that they have to really push forward their goals. I mean, look, any president in the White any the, pre, the party uh, that controls the White House typically loses seats in the midterm elections. It's just sort of something that we expect every year. And the evidence so far is that the left and Democrats in general seem to be pretty uh, mobilized at this point, given what we've seen across the country. Obviously, you have to take that with a grain of salt because you get different voters in different election years. But uh, you would have to I I sort of assume that that Republicans really feel pressure this year to move their agenda forward. And it sounds like it's going to be even tougher. 
Yeah, and they, I mean, they certainly, and I think it depends on which Republican it is and what part of their agenda they want to move forward on. Right. But um, it's an election year, and ambitions just <laughs> are not as high uh, are in election years because, you know, people buy, you know, People by the springtime are these members are going to have primaries, many of them to worry about. Mm-hmm. Um, and then by the summer, they're in in full fledged campaign mode. Sure. Um, so there just isn't that much time to do it. And also, like just based on math, anything that is done this year is it, with some some limited exceptions is going to have to be on a bipartisan basis, which means Republicans aren't going to get their dream legislation. Yeah, sure. Uh, you're listening to Detroit Today. I'm Jake Neer. I'm sitting in for Stephen Henderson today, who's on vacation. We're talking about the year ahead in politics. We spoke a little bit about what's going on in Michigan in 2018. Plenty to talk about there. Right now, we're speaking with Tamara Keith for the NPR White House correspondent about what's happening nationally, what we can expect out of Washington, if we can really expect anything that, at, at the very least, maybe we can expect to uh, sit on the edge of our seats as we look at Twitter every morning. Uh, but uh, Tam, I want to talk... Uh, or you re- could make healthy choices in the new year and not do that. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> no, I was going to say, you know, I've got big plans for 2018 that don't involve taking up all my headspace, wondering what the heck is going on in Washington. Maybe I should just cancel those plans now. I don't know. Uh, no, but- <laughs> don't do that. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I, I want to talk a little bit about the Mueller investigation going forward uh, and, and sort of recent reports about efforts to discredit that probe. Uh, I think that when you look at uh, Donald Trump and how his legal team especially is talking about that, they're both sort of, they have the, the same message right there. Uh, Bob Mueller will be fair, at least we expect him to be fair, and everybody knows that there was no collusion in the 2016 election. Uh, but, you know, what do you think is the, what what are the things that we should be paying attention to at this point as we sort of wait for this probe to play out? Yeah, I mean, I think one thing that is interesting is, you know, you watch the president and his allies sort of jump up and down and say, look over here, look over here, look at this other thing. Um, For instance, saying Hillary Clinton colluded with the Russians. (laughs) Um, And and. The, the question becomes like what are they what are they distracting from right um and what are some of the president's allies why why are they beating up on Mueller and 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 what effect is that having um mm-hmm. the thing about Mueller's investigation is those of us that aren't involved in it even those of us who are watching it very closely can't know where it's headed or even what evidence he has um he and his team have have they have charged two people um, and they've gotten plea deals from two people, um, uh, including people who are very close to at times we're in the, the Trump inner circle. Um, and 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 though but as they have uh, released documents and, and uh, released some evidence related to those charges and those plea agreements, They've released the bare minimum. Mm-hmm. Um, so so in a way, I like to think of it like we are looking at an elephant, but actually all we see is a toenail. <laughs> so we don't know if it's an elephant or a rhinoceros. Yeah, that's an interesting that's an interesting image right there. But yeah, that's that's really or a curb. I mean, right, like, right, right. We just don't we just don't know what we don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, and Mueller and his team potentially have 
a huge amount, uh, just a trove of information that we don't have any clue about. Um, and, there, you know, there's a ton of speculation. Um, but the reality is that Mueller and his team aren't leaking. And mm-hmm. and that speculation is often coming from people who who don't actually have any insider information. Yeah, quite a contrast between how the Mueller probe is uh, controlled and how the White House has been operating the last year. But we will get we'll get to more of that right after a short break. We're going to continue this conversation about the year ahead in politics, and we will take your calls. The number is 313-577-1019. Again, that's 313-577-1019. <laughs> You're listening to Detroit Today. I'm Jake Neer. I'm sitting in for Stephen Henderson today, who's on break this week. And we're talking about the year ahead in politics. What will 2018 bring in terms of state politics here in Michigan? It's going to be a huge year here in Michigan when it comes to all of the elected positions that we have open. And of course, I don't even need to tell you that it's going to be another exciting and uh, you know kind of chaotic year in national politics as well. If if 2017 is any indication of what's coming the year of ha- ahead, we want to talk to you also about what you're feeling in 2018 as a voter. Are you motivated? Are you feeling excited to go to the polls? Are you dreading the uh, year that will be 2018 in terms of politics and all the news that will be bombarded with? the next uh, the next 12 months uh, and uh, yeah also you know do you think that this is going to be any different than 2017 if so how uh, do you think that Democrats have a good shot at uh, taking control either in any branch here in Michigan of state government or in the federal government as well number to call is 313-577-1019 again that's 313-577-1019 1019. And we are talking with Tamara Keith. She's the NPR White House correspondent. Tamara, thank you again for joining us here today and taking the time to kind of break down what's going on nationally in politics and what we can expect the year ahead. Very glad to be with you. Yeah. So we're talking about the Mueller investigation right now, and I want to pick back up where we sort of started there. Um, And again, with the efforts to discredit it. I, I think what's sort of interesting there, and the question that I have is, uh, when 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 Donald Trump's rhetoric here is, is sort of, it seems like actually pretty controlled that he thinks that uh, Mueller is going to be fair in his assessment and that there is no collusion and everybody knows it. Uh, and then we get that contrast again between what he's saying and then people who are close to him saying, try, you know, in, involved in this edit, to uh, involved in this uh, in this effort to discredit it, um, is that Donald Trump actually playing it safe, sort of on his own? I mean, is that do you think that uh, that he actually is confident in this investigation? I, I know you're not in his head, but uh, that, I'm not in his head. Um, right, I am definitely not in his head. Um, <laughs> and good for all of us there, I suppose. But yeah, I mean, the the fact that uh, you know that that there is such a huge discrepancy here. What does that mean? Yeah. And, and his lawyers who who, you know, I talk with on a semi-regular basis have been very consistent about this, saying mm-hmm. we are cooperating. We want this to be over quickly. Sometimes I read in there saying we want this to be over quickly, that they're trying to send a signal to Mueller, like, please make this be over with quickly. Right. 
Um, and and you know they they are sh- telling the president this day after day after day. Um, you know, you just you know you have nothing to hide. We're going to keep cooperating. Mm-hmm. The faster, the more we cooperate, the faster this is over with. Um, and and so I think that's what you're seeing reflected in in what the president is saying. Sure. Um, and, and that obviously I think is going to be really interesting. This sort of plays into, uh, again, uh, talking about the New York Times interview, this impromptu 30 minute interview uh, that Trump did with the New York Times uh, that, you know, he, he talked a lot about this. But, uh, uh, Tam, you and the NPR team did a uh, interesting breakdown uh, a fact check uh, really of yeah. this uh, of this interview which was really fascinating uh, and and I want to read a little bit about uh, the sort of the highlights of it um, that that as for the special counsel investigation well some tra- this is what what uh, NPR writes well some Trump allies have actively tried to undermine the Mueller probe in the interview Trump hewed closely to what his own lawyers have been saying. Uh, according to the Times, what's interesting about this interview, there were no aides on hand as Trump spoke with reporter Michael S. Schmidt about a wide range of topics in the grill room at his golf course in West Palm Beach, Florida. The president didn't conduct a traditional end-of-year conference, so this interview offers a look at what Trump is thinking as he heads into 2018. Again, that's that's from the NPR article. Um, what did what did you find from this interview, and what what was significant about uh, about what you found in sort of uh, what it says about the year going forward. Yeah, I mean, the, the fascinating thing with this interview is that we simply don't, aside from the Twitter feed, which it, sometimes is hard to tell whether he is saying what he means or he's just, you know, saying what he thinks his base wants to hear or, you know, it's some the Twitter feed does give us an insight into what the president is thinking or what he's watching on TV, but, but actually sort of hearing him or, in this case, seeing a transcript of him speaking extemporaneously does give unique insight into what the president of the United States is thinking. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, one clue as to what he's thinking about a lot, he said no collusion, the phrase no collusion, 16 different times in that one (laughs) interview. Over um, 30 minutes. So that's once every two minutes, basically, a little bit more than that. <laughs> yes, though, though some of them came in very fast succession. <laughs> <laughs> right. We're talking averages um, here. Yeah. But but it, like he even at one point he was asked about Hillary Clinton and he came back and instead started talking again about the Mueller investigation. Hmm. Um, you know, one insight that I think is is something that we've known, but that he he made very clear again is that he he really believes that he has complete power over the Justice Department. Mm-hmm. Now, there are, are norms and regulations that have been in place since the Watergate era to try to insulate the Justice Department from political interference. But the president's made it pretty clear, especially in that interview, that um, he does not um, he doesn't he doesn't really uh, abide by those norms. Right. Huh. And some other things that were interesting uh, about this interview, Trump also asserted that he will win re-election in 2020 because the me- media, us, will need him for ratings and made inaccurate claims about his role in the Alabama Senate race and the state of the Affordable Care Act and more. This is really interesting, the idea that he thinks he'll win re-election because the media needs him. That's that's an interesting take from the president. It's an interesting take on the way our democracy works. Right. Because that is, in fact, not the way our democracy works. <laughs> right. Last I checked, uh, voters decide who the president of the United States is, yeah. uh, not the media. Oh, we, we 
we don't get to make that Thankfully. decision. Right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I don't want that responsibility. <laughs> right. I just want one vote for me. <laughs> exactly. You're listening to Detroit Today. I'm Jake Neer. I'm sitting in for Stephen Henderson today. We're speaking with Tamara Keith, NPR White House correspondent, about the year ahead in national politics. And we want to hear from you. Please give us, give us a call and tell us how you're thinking about the year ahead in politics. What would you like to see the federal government tackle in the new year? Are you hoping to see a deal struck for the future of children of undocumented immigrants or DACA in the coming weeks? Are you worried about the future cost of Obamacare and what would you like to see a fix to rising premiums? Uh, are you concerned about the future future of Medicaid, Medicare, Social Security, especially now that Congress approved a tax cut that's expected to uh, increase the deficit as well? Uh, and just again, how motivated are you feeling going into 2018? What is your uh, what what kind of agenda do you hope is is sort of taken in in terms of state politics and national politics? The the number to call is 313-577-1019. Again, that's 313-577-1019. And I want to get to the phones here. Tom in Northwest Detroit. Welcome to Detroit Today. Uh, happy New Year, first of all. Yeah, Happy New Year to you too, Tom. Okay, I wanted to go to the situation with the 13th Congressional District seat being vacant. Yeah, this is uh, Congressman Conyers' uh, right. former seat. My, my, I got two points. You can't put a price on democracy, okay? Uh, in terms of they were talking about what it's going to cost, I think it's something like $2 million to hold a special election. Mm-hmm. Because if they don't hold that special election and they wait for the full election cycle to go through, it's not going to happen until November of 2019 mm-hmm. when, you know, in, 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 the, uh, uh, in the primary, or rather in the general, when someone will be elected to Phil, uh, former Congressman Conyers' seat. They, they will not go on that. And those people in the 13th condition, I'll say this up being, in, being in, in terms of transparency, I'm a member of the 14th district. Mm-hmm. But, you know, you can't deny the people but, the right to have representation because they are being taxed without representation right now. All they can do, if people call to Congressman's office, they can field questions but there's nothing that's going to be done about it. Yeah, and Tom, even though you're a member of the, the 14th Congressional District, you're also a resident of Detroit, and right that's now right. there is no member of Congress from the city of Detroit, and it, it's possible, based on who the candidates lining up for Conyers' seat are next year, that there will not be. I mean, it's possible that we could not see, uh, for the first time in very, very, very long time, that there will not be a uh, representative, a congressperson representing, uh, well, that will be re- representing the city of Detroit, but won't live there, which I think is a big deal for a lot of Detroit voters. I mean, you know, we've got Congresswoman Brenda Lawrence. I mean, you know, she was former mayor of Southfield. Southfield, yep. In the 14th, we've got representation. But you know what? The bottom line comes down to this. You do not place money before people. Let's look at Flint for a perfect Mm. example. All right. And you cannot put a price on democracy. I say there should be a special election held probably no later than February. Okay, Mm -hmm. I don't care about, you know, talking about all the whatever, how many number of people are going to get in there and try and run for the seat. Yeah. You know, you know, these people will be screened and they'll be vetted and, you know, they'll try and put their best foot forward. And, you know, those organizations that are going to screen these people, they are going to take a real good look at these people in terms of, you know, who they are you know, what their background is and, you know, what is going to be in for in the best interest of the people of 13th Congress. Yeah. Yeah. Tom, thank you so much for the call. I really appreciate that. That's certainly something that a lot of people here in Detroit are, are concerned about right now. And uh, something that I think uh, based on what has happened with the 
the decision that the governor's made, probably not going to see a special election unless this uh, this lawsuit that's been filed to move that up is successful. Seems like a pretty tough hill to climb uh, in my uh, uh, estimates, although, again, I'm not a legal scholar, so I can't, can't tell you exactly how that's going. But anyway, thank you uh, so much for listening today. Uh, Tamara Keith, NPR White House correspondent, really appreciate you taking the time to help us sort of sort out the year ahead in politics. Thanks again. You're welcome. This is Detroit Today. Uh, I'm Jake Neer. I'm sitting in for Stephen Henderson today. Detroit Today is produced by Laura Weber Davis. Our program director is Joan Isabella. Technical director and engineer is Matthew Trevathan. Associate producers Gus Navarro, Alan, Aaron Allen, and Ziad Butch. Detroit Today's theme song was composed by WDET Sam Bobian. This is WDET, Detroit's public radio station, a community service of Wayne State University. Thanks so much.